Having car problems? Well, with Rhoda, getting them fixed is as easy as ordering takeout. They'll come pick up your car for free, do any repair or maintenance needed, and return it right to your driveway. They'll even give you a complimentary video inspection of your car so you can see what needs to be done. Perfect for those of us that maybe aren't so car savvy. Book your appointment online at roda.com. And lucky for you, CityCast listeners get a 20% discount on any service for up to $100 off. Just use the code CityCast20. Today on CityCast DC... A group of anonymous property and business owners are trying to block a homeless shelter in the West End, and they've already delayed the opening once. I'm here with producers Priyanka Tilvey and Julia Karen to chat about it. Plus, what Giving Tuesday, coming up next week, means for D.C. And y'all had a lot to say about our underrated restaurants episode, so we'll get into some of the suggestions that y'all emailed in. Today's Tuesday, November 21st. I'm Bridget Todd, and here's what D.C. is talking about. Julia, what is going on over in West End? Okay, so do you you all remember when we chatted with Michael Bryce Sadler back in August and we were talking about there was going to be this new kind of one-of-a-kind shelter. It's going to be a 200-person facility. It was going to house people in separate rooms rather than in bunks. You know, it was going to be like a new, big, different thing. Yeah, and the big deal about it was that it was going to let adult families stay together, right? Like, so people who are... Yep. Like, in relationships, but not married, or adult siblings who want to live together. There's no other shelter in D.C. that allows that. Am I right? Correct. And it was going to be for folks that had medical issues too, right? Yes. So this was supposed to be new, one of a kind, different, was going to be in the West End at an old GW dorm, and D.C. purchased it. And you might remember originally there was one lawsuit, Department of Human Services said, we get the complaints, we'll take a look. That lawsuit just vanished, (laughs) just disappeared into thin air. Conveniently, (laughs) or maybe inconveniently, there is a second lawsuit now, a new lawsuit. It's the same group of anonymous property owners and businesses that had sued over the plans in the summer. This is a new legal challenge. It's from the West End DC Community Association. They filed the suit against the city, and basically they claimed that the district blatantly ignored and or intentionally circumvented well-established DC zoning laws and procedures in pursuing this project. What are their problems, though? Like that zoning laws thing sounds pretty, that's legalese. But what are their actual concerns? So basically what they're claiming is that this project is going to, quote, and this is a direct quote from the lawsuit, irreparably damage the rights of the owners and occupants of properties in the surrounding neighborhood who make up the membership role of the association and severely diminish their use and enjoyment of such properties. Basically, they're saying that it's going to, like, tank the enjoyment of the neighborhood, is what they're arguing. Is there some kind of precedent for this? Like, has it happened before successfully? So there's been a couple of similar lawsuits against other shelters. Obviously, like, this is a different new kind of shelter. The uh, ones for previous lawsuits were for, like, the shelters we know as typically, like, bunk shelters. They weren't successful, but they have slowed, basically, the district's ability to get this kind of housing. So... A judge isn't going to hear this case until January 26th. That's a long time from now. That's a couple months. And originally, you might remember, they were supposed to open the shelter this year. Clearly, 
that isn't going to happen anymore. I think another big part of this is that part of the impetus for opening up the shelter was that they wanted to expand where shelters in the city mm-hmm. exist. Like there is no other shelter in Ward 2, which is like the Foggy Bottom, mm-hmm. DuPont Circle area. And that is a problem. Like the, the shelters shouldn't all be sequestered in one part of town. But it's exactly this kind of pushback from residents and businesses that has probably delayed the city opening shelters in this part of town. It's such a NIMBY zone, you know? Yeah, for sure. And that was that was going to be one of my questions. Um, I don't know if we have any insight into this, but you know, whenever there's some NIMBY issue, folks are like, well, I'm not against there being a homeless shelter. I just think dot, dot, dot. Are they saying anything like that? Are they saying like, oh, we're not against the idea of a homeless shelter. We just don't think this is the appropriate spot for one. How convenient that you mentioned that because thanks to Michael Bryce Sadler, who has been reporting on this from the association, they said, no one in our group is against homeless shelters. The problem is where this particular one is located in one of the most economically viable areas of the city. The district made a terrible choice in location. We offered to work with them to find another location in that ward, putting it someplace else that doesn't have pernicious economic effects of locating it at the Aston. Pernicious economic effects, Bridget. I just think that this like really plays into a lot of negative and dangerous stigmas and stereotypes that are just false. Like there is no reason to believe that having a homeless shelter in this area of town is going to create any sort of problems. You don't get insight into what your neighbors in general are dealing with. People that live in regular apartment buildings across the city have mental health issues that they're dealing with. That doesn't make them dangerous or violent or anything like that. And believing that people who live in a homeless shelter inevitably are going to create problems, like that's the kind of thing that we're supposed to be pushing back against by building these shelters and helping prove that that's not the case. And I I completely agree. And I also think it really adds to this incorrect notion about who winds up without having a stable place to live. In 2023, we are in some economic tight spots where folks are really feeling that. And so this idea that like, oh, it's all criminals and people with substance abuse issues, there are a lot of people out there who are actually working but cannot afford a place to stably live. And so it just adds to this fantasy notion of what people think about when they think about people who need this kind of housing solution that I don't think is just is borne out by, you know, what the actual facts of the situation are at all. Yeah. One of the things that DHS had said at least originally, when they first purchased this building was like they were going to have like security guards around the area. Obviously, like they know that this is an economic hub and they don't want to disturb that. But I think they also understand like, hey, like people need a place to live and we want to make this shelter like a place where families can be. Like this isn't just something that happens like out of the blue. These people are trying to work hard and housing is just so dang expensive. And in the words of that one candidate, the rent is too damn high, right? I don't know. What do you guys think are the odds if we're playing odds makers that this is actually going to happen or just gets delayed for forever. What do we think? I think I think they'll do it. I think that the city has expressed an intention to build shelters across the city. That was something that Bowser said was important to her. I am not confident it'll happen at the Aston specifically, but I do think that they will build a shelter in Ward 2, and I am hopeful that it will happen next year. This is like me putting positive intention into the universe. You're manifesting. 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 Manifest the housing solutions you want to see in the world. Exactly. When was the last time you went to the theater? 
Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet, Avida's Return, which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call 202-234-7174. So Giving Tuesday is coming up. And whenever I hear Giving Tuesday, I always think it's Giving Tuesday. You know, not like <laughs> Giving Tuesday, like it's Giving Tuesday. Uh, Just so, real Tuesday vibes. Up yeah, in here. real. It's always. Giving Very Tuesday vibes always. in here. Um, so what exactly is Giving Tuesday? It's, it's the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. It's a day when people are still kind of in that glow of having given thanks and also preparing for the holiday season, which is typically when people are the most generous. And so to kick off that giving season, Giving Tuesday is a day where a lot of charities make their big asks for the year. They put a lot of information out there about what they need funds for and what what specific funding needs they have for the following year and what that money would go towards. And so yeah, Giving Tuesday this year is on November 28th. It is a week away and we are encouraging you to start giving some thought to who you want to give to. Um, do either of you have Giving Tuesday habits? Is there like any charity that you typically give to or like a, a style of charity you typically give to? I like mutual aid. I think it's a good way to give back to the community, to folks who really need it most. What is mutual aid? So mutual aid is really this model that's voluntary that really prioritizes collaborative exchanges of resources with this understanding of like the systems that we have in place to meet our needs, housing, food, money, whatever, aren't always going to do that. And so that it's good to just have that mindset of like supporting each other to get our needs met. And then when somebody, when you need your needs met, somebody will help you. When somebody else is in need, you can help them. But it's really this community collaborative effort to sort of lift each other up with the understanding that the services that we or the systems that we have in place to do that sometimes fall short. Got it. So what if like you're someone like me and you're kind of like new to this kind of Giving Tuesday stuff? Like typically on Giving Tuesday, I've given to my undergrad institution, my graduate school institution, some local one-off like charities or services in the area. Like what should I do if I'm kind of new to this and want to give money to people who probably need it a lot? Yeah, well, I mean, we are a local podcast and newsletter, and so I'm going to suggest that you give locally. Um, I think that a lot of times international organizations or, you know, big groups like the Red Cross get all the buzz, and obviously they deserve our support as well, but there are so many great charities in the DMV area doing amazing localized work. And I think they deserve our love. So there's this website called Spur Local. They used to be called the Catalog for Philanthropy. So you might have heard of them that way. We did interview them last year. And they put together a list of all of the charities in DC, in the DMV, that are reputable. You can trust them. You can know your money is going to actually helping people. And what I love about their website is that they have it divided up into different categories. So you can kind of zone in on what your priorities are. So the categories are nature, culture, education, human services, 
and international. And again, those would be like local organizations that do international work. And just to give everyone a sense of what kinds of orgs are in here, I thought it would be fun for us to do like a kind of randomized selection where we talk about one charity from each category. Does that sound good? Giving sure. Tuesday roulette. I love it. Okay. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's giving Tuesday it's roulette. Giving it's Tuesday giving Tuesday roulette. It's giving, it's giving roulette. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> okay. So the biggest category is human services. So they have 500 or I guess quite literally it's 499 charities listed on their website. 266 of those fall within the human services category. And also if you look through there, you can narrow it down even further specifically to like children, youth and families or girls and women, immigrant and refugee services, legal services, like they have all of these broken down. But we're just going to look at the human services category in general. I have randomly selected one, like I put all of these into literally like a roulette spinner thing. And the one that got pulled out was Carpenter's Shelter. They are based in Alexandria and it's a 60 bed emergency shelter that engages over 1200 volunteers every year. So families and people who want to find a temporary home and the help they need to secure a permanent home can get it at Carpenter Shelter. They have life skill classes, job readiness training, assistance with housing placement. They also have a day shelter that offers showers and phones and laundry and a mailing address, which like you, we don't talk enough about how you need a mailing address to get so many services. And if you're unhoused, then like that is an actual bureaucratic obstacle. So you can use the Carpenter Shelter address if you need to. So yeah, that is one of the many charities on the Spur Local website in the human services section. And I guess that's really fitting given what we just talked about. I was going to um, say, it was like it was very intentional and very convenient that yeah. it just slid right in there. It's like that manifesting that I was doing yeah. is actually already coming to fruition. It was <laughs> exactly. Like the randomizer was like, yeah, sure, we can do that. Which category do y'all want next? We've got nature, culture, education, and international. Let's do culture. So in this category, they've gotten broken down by youth and community arts. And then there's performing, literary, and visual arts. But again, we're lumping them together with the culture category. I have done my little roulette spinny thing. And the charity that has won our interest today is called Artstream. They are based in Rockville, and their whole thing is that they use performing arts to empower people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. They have six inclusive theater companies, four cabaret companies. They collaborate with theater professionals and trained volunteer mentors to build skills while developing and presenting original musical theater productions. So people can take classes to boost their self-confidence. They also help with like generally strengthening people's communication skills. And then it's also just like a way to socialize and have fun and let loose. And in general, arts have been known to help heal and educate and entertain. So those are all things that they are trying to do through Artstream. That's so cool. I might have to look into that because that sounds very up my alley. Yeah, for sure. Like I was like sort of a theater kid growing up and I was like, ooh, Definitely feel like everyone should experience like the joy and the happiness that comes from being in a production. Given everything that's going on in the world, I feel like international is 
the way to go next, you know? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So international, they actually only have two, which makes sense because <laughs> this is for, for focusing on local organizations. We'll just do both. One of them is called the Fund for Investigative Journalism, which is, again, Woo! supporting independent investigative journalism through grants, mentorships, and fellowships. And yes, woohoo, we love supporting <laughs> journalism. And then the other international program they've got is called Learn Serve International, which empowers students with entrepreneurship leadership classes and helps them gain the confidence to transform their communities. Speaking of communities, what about nature? Okay, let me pull up a nature. So they've got 24 charities here in the nature category. They're all in the same zone of environment and animal services. And now that I've done my little spinny roulette thing, the one that has won is the CNO Canal Trust, which works to protect and preserve the CNO Canal. It's a national historical park. And obviously, we all know how beautiful that canal can be Mm -hmm. when it's at its peak, but it can also look kind of downtrodden. (laughs) So this is to help keep it in that positive realm. They also do a lot of conservation work. Um, They promote outdoor learning for children, healthy living. Apparently every year up to 10,000 students K through 12 engage in interactive like science-based learning in and around the CNO Canal. So I didn't realize that this also helps with that, which is really cool. Well, speaking of the children, last category is education. Let's bring it on home. If they're not getting educated at the CNO Canal, where can they get help? (laughs) What can we do for them? Yeah. So there are 122 education-based programs uh, on the Spur Local website. The one that has won our roulette choice is called Bite Back, but Bite is spelled B-Y-T-E. So like it's a techie thing. Their little blurb here says that technology plays an essential role in today's workforce, yet thousands of DC area residents lack even basic computer skills. So Bite Back is all about combating poverty by providing historically excluded communities an equitable pathway into the digital economy and its living wage careers. They have digital literacy classes. Adult scholars learn the basics of how to navigate computers, the internet, email, Microsoft Office, telehealth, online banking. Wow, I sometimes forget just how much we use the internet for literally everything. This organization is trying to help people get the career support they need as well. Interview prep, resume building, everything that the internet and technology can be used for. (laughs) Bite Back is trying to help people figure out. Last year, they had 208 Bite Back scholars complete digital skills training. And so that's what the money would go towards if you give on Giving Tuesday to Bite Back this year. Well, speaking of biting back, the other kind of bite, B-I-T-E. So recently we did an episode all about underrated restaurants, and boy, did you all have a lot to add. We heard from a lot of you about your favorite underrated restaurants in D.C. In an email, Jane M. gave us two suggestions. The unassuming family-owned and operated Ty and Time Again on the eastern side of the intersection of Calvert and Connecticut Avenues, Northwest and Woodley Park gets passed over because of its English basement location, but its authentic, freshly prepared food far outshines the fancier neighborhood Don Sack Thai on the main drag. Ooh, um, and I, I love like Don Sack. Me too. Me too. I think Jane is right, though, that like sometimes places get overlooked because of their location where you just like don't see it. 
as easily or something or like the location kind of you're like, oh, I don't know. But you should not let that deter you because sometimes there's some real hidden gems. Jane also suggests in terms of Armenian restaurants, like how many Armenian restaurants do we have in D.C.? Yerevan Cafe at 2204 18th Street Northwest is another sleeper, also family owned and serving up a wealth of absolutely delicious and healthy tasting food. Have you all eaten there? Love Yerevan. We co-worked there. Yeah. Oh. And it's great. Yeah. Yeah. They have this apricot lentil soup that you can oh. get either hot or cold. Yes. But regardless, it's this like sweet and spicy combination that I have never had before, nor have I had since. And I love it. I've had the cold version and the hot one. Both are fantastic. I wonder if the owners know that they are an integral part of this podcast getting made every week. <laughs> you all are working there and putting it together there. Seriously, I was going to say, like, we have stopped there a couple of times. And every time we've gone there, they have this kind of like meat pie thing that's served with yogurt. And every time I get it, I'm just like, oh, yes, give me more. I want this for every meal. I do. So delicious. Julia and I weren't on that underrated restaurants episode that Bridget, you did with Kayla and Washingtonian food editor Ann Limpert. And so, yeah, I was curious if you have any underrated food recs, Julia. I know I've got some. Ooh, okay. So... As you all know, the key to my heart is pastries and coffee. If you haven't learned that by now, congratulations. <laughs> I am a big fan actually of Sola Luna, which is in that same oh, I love Luna. Yeah, which is that in that same Adams Morgan area and really tiny joint. We're talking like no seats. It's literally like a counter, a case for the pastries, the barista area, and that's it. Like you can only sit outdoors basically. They might have like one section of window seating, but that's it. And they do Ecuadorian coffee and pastries. And if you're in a bit of a rush, like I see not a ton of people there, but their food is really good. And I feel like I'm giving them away now, which is not good for me because now the line's going to be out the door, but I don't care. They're really good. Go get Sola Luna. They are really good. My secret hidden gem that I am probably going to regret putting out there is Well-Dressed Burrito, just south Mm. of DuPont Circle. People don't know it exists, which I guess kind of makes sense. (laughs) Yes, it's in an alley. But they do have signs at the ends of the alley. Anyway, first of all, their burritos are amazing. Their enchiladas, also amazing. Their spicy sauce is actually really spicy, which I love because I feel like that's a rare thing. And the last little quirky thing about them is that their decor is all penguin focus and i don't know the story behind that intention they don't have penguins in mexico but i love that they have penguin decor and i think it's 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 a real vibe in there i was gonna say i feel like they picked the penguins because the whole point is like penguins look like they're in tuxedos so if they're well dressed well just oh my god you're right right? yes you're right you're right that just never occurred to me but yeah that's it yeah, I love Walgreens burrito. As far as burgers go, Lucky Buns does not yes. get the shine oh it my deserves. God. My cousin's kids, my niece and nephew visit, or they visited several times. And I've taken them to so many places around DC that I think are amazing. And the only one that they were like the most excited about was Lucky Buns and the burgers from there. So that says something, I think. Yeah, they're really good. My underrated spot is a new one. It's where Coffee Cafe used to be, Cuckoo. It's a Persian restaurant. I don't know how many Persian restaurants we have in D.C. It's been kind of like coming soon for a long time. And I live right there. So I walk by every day and I'm like, is it open? Is it open? Well, it is finally open. The vibes in there are so good. Family owned. You go in. like They have family style dining. They're so nice. Um, The food is divine. Uh, It just opened. So like definitely check it out. But I think it will 
soon to be a hidden gem, maybe. Mm. Okay, so this is in Columbia Heights. It is on 14th. Okay, amazing. Guess we're going to have to co-work from there now. Oh my God. Yeah, I guess so. All right, well, I'm getting hungry just talking about this. We better end so I can get some lunch. Julia, Priyanka, thanks so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Bridget. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, why not share it with your favorite restaurateur? We'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. Talk to you then. I think I'm just pulling us down into a tangent that's too tangential, essentially. A tangent that's too tangential. Truly. Big time SIT word there.